CTSnet friends and welcome to another CTSnet podcast. In this uh, podcast today, we have the massive joint STS and EAX statement uh, put out as a press release to coincide with the Partner 3 and Evolute low-risk trials. So find out all about what the STS says about low-risk TAVA patients. Prophylactic epicardial pacing for all tricuspid replacements. What a good idea. And a geek out on bronchial anatomy. We've got three great videos for you. Top tips for harmonic artery radial artery harvest it looks really good our brilliant cts net eras society webinar fantastic it's a not to miss do check it out and a robotic set resection of a mediastinal cyst there's so much to do uh, so check out our podcast uh, and also look out for next week uh, where we're going to go to ghana and we'll give you some updates about that thanks for watching CTSnet friends for coming back to hear everything that's the latest news on cardiothoracic surgery from this CTSnet podcast. I'm Joel Dunning, Editor-in-Chief, and it's always a pleasure to bring you the latest and greatest news every single week. And there is no bigger news than the joint STS EACTS press release that was released on the 30th of October uh, on their websites jointly. This was designed to coincide with the TCT presentation of the Partner 3 five-year results, which was also published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And remember, there has also been results of the Evolute low-risk trial, a four-year results of the core valve, in addition to the five-year results of the Partner 3. So I think this was a really good intervention by the SDS and EAX jointly. This provides a unified approach to all surgeons worldwide uh, about what we think about the march of TAVA in low-risk patients. They point out that we support a 10-year follow-up of these patients together with large real-world data. And I think that's a really important statement because these are highly selected randomised trials and that are both company-sponsored. They're also really selective. So the joint statement points out that while they're comparing TAVA to surgical aortic valve replacement. When you look at both the studies, around 25%, yes, 25% of the surgical patients had something else other than uh, a surgical aortic valve replacement. Well, that's insane, isn't it? Um, so, so these patients were having things like CABG. Yes, you'd expect that. Some had mitral valve surgery, some had ablation, and plenty of other concomitant procedures. And this has just got to complicate uh, the studies. So when you actually look at the fantastic massive data set published by Vinod Tarani that we did profile in this podcast a few weeks ago and is highlighted in this press release, it shows that the real world STS database shows in 19,000 patients that there's a 90% survival at eight years. The, the surgical risk uh, of this operation in the PROMS less than one one percent is uh, is you know ninety five percent 
eight-year survival, less than 1% mortality intraoperatively. So it's stunningly good outcomes for these low-risk people from the SDS real-world database. And yet in these studies, we're comparing this to, to non-single aortic valve replacements. So this press relief calls on the two companies and the lead authors to publish the subsets of patients having surgical lone AVR in both of those studies. Now, the studies have said they're not going to do any more follow up as well. Five years. That's it. So and yet uh, and yet it's it's the early failure that, that might be of concern in these valves which don't have this long term follow up. The other thing that they point out, which I thought was re really interested, is what is the fastest growing operation in the STS National Database? Answer. TAVI explantation. The number one fastest growing operation is TAVI explantation and surgery after TAVI. So, you know, there's a lot to think about uh, when you go into this low risk group and it isn't just its equivalent. And also they completely do not agree uh, with the outcome uh, in the Evolute uh, low risk trial that says TAVI is superior outcomes at four years. You just can't say that. Um, so a really good statement. It's really important. You know, this is sounding a lot like the discord we've had recently uh, with the chronic revask statement where, where surgeons have withdrawn from support from the cardiologists and the AATS uh, in those. Again, are we going to start seeing guidelines saying TAVI is first choice uh, in low-risk patients, in which case surgeons are going to have to withdraw from that. Well, I hope that doesn't happen, but read this statement. Try and get your cardiologist to engage with it. I really hope they do publish the surgical AVR subsets in these trials and have a look uh, at that. Really great work being done jointly by our societies. We've got two other really interesting papers for you this week as well. Um, one makes a lot of sense. Prophylactic epicardial pacemaker implantation in tricuspid valve replacement. This is uh, a European Journal paper published from Paris in France. Uh, Baptiste Bazir is the first author and Vincent Algala uh, is the senior author. And it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, and they basically ask the question of uh, if you're doing an aortic valve replacement, you would not want to have uh, to put uh, a, a pacing lead through that brand new replacement. So why don't you just put an epicardial lead on the outside of the heart when you're doing the operation? It's a piece of cake, it's two and a half turns, uh, and then you've got it there. And they're basically asking the question, if you do that, uh, is it useful? So they looked at uh, their own cohort. Uh, there was about 80 patients having uh, tricuspid valve replacement, uh, either alone or with other things. You know, it's a very common valve in endocarditis. Um, and there was a range of reasons. But when they looked to see um, how often they needed the pacing wire, um, it was actually 46% of the patients. And so if half of your patients is going to need a pacing wire, half of your patients is going to need a lead straight through your brand new valve, surely it's worthwhile putting an epicardial pacing lead on, even if half aren't going to be used. Um, so 14% had complete heart block, 17% had high degree AV block, um, and 15% um, and, uh, uh, needed uh, a pacing, uh, ventricular pacing anyway for a variety, variety of reasons. So great idea. So next time you do a, tri a tricuspid replacement, remember to put a lead on. 
The third paper we've got for you on the website today is a thoracic geek out. Um, yep, if you are a thoracic surgeon like I am, then you're going to love this paper. Uh, it is called Bronchial Branching Patterns and Volumetry in Right Upper Lobe, the Impact on Segmentectomy Planning. Uh, this is a beautiful Japanese paper from uh, the Masumoto in Japan, uh, from the Shinzu University School of Medicine. Kentaro Miura is the first author. And what did they do? Well, they said, quite logically, if you're going to do lots of segmentectomies in the right upper lobe, you better know the anatomy of the right upper lobe segmental divisions. And they basically give this huge warning as they're not just three divisions. Well, yes, they are sometimes. And so they started subdividing them and they subdivided them into 11 um, including my nose, uh, 11 different subtypes. So the most common subtype is that typical trifurcated apical anterior and posterior segment. Fine, but for the rest of them, it can bifurcate uh, and then some subsegmental branches come off the wrong segments. They come off of other ones. The one that was most stri striking to me was a bifurcated defective type. So actual, they had the apical, the anterior and the posterior but actually two subsegments to the apex. One came from the apical segment, but the other came from the anterior segment. So if you're going to do an apical segmentectomy, you're going to have to take those two subsegments. Uh, so you better be sure you've got a 3D reconstruction to identify this. Otherwise, you're going to take the wrong segments uh, to the lung. So really great work, really interesting. To me, it basically said get a 3D reconstruction every time you do a segmentectomy uh, and then you will find these abnormalities. We find that again and again. Um, the number of times we find a lingular artery coming in front of the bronchus uh, from the anterior pulmonary artery is insane with our re reconstructions. So I think it's really important. So great job. Really interesting article, but only if you are a geek like me. So we're now going to come across to the CTSNet staff who are going to tell you what else you can find on the website today. CTSNet's ninth annual resident video competition is now open for submissions. Residents and medical students of all CT surgical specialties are eligible to submit surgical videos for a chance to win prominent publication on CTSNet and an exclusive interview with the judges. The deadline to submit is December 29, 2023. To learn more, head to the resident video competition page on ctsnet.org. We've got three fabulous videos for you this week. Uh, the first one is tips and tricks for radial artery harvesting with the harmonic scalpel. What an absolutely fantastic video. Um, this is by Chandrisma Shandarana and, uh, and her colleagues at the Trent Cardiac Centre in the UK in Nottingham. Um, and Surendra Nike was the senior author, probably did it, I don't know really, uh, but it's beautiful. It's all the hints and tips, beautifully videoed, uh, doing your lazy S over the radial artery, uh, avoiding brachioradialis, going through the nerves that you have to avoid, opening up the fascia in front of the radial artery, showing the harmonic, uh, dividing the side branches really nicely away from the artery, uh, doing a nice uh, a methylene blue line so that you don't rotate the radial artery showing you doing the back bleeding test and out it comes really nice nice and quick if you're uh, low in your experience
comprehensive radiology harvest, take a look. It's nice and quick and it is a beaut of a video. Well done that team. The second video is a very special link up between CTSnet and the ERAS Cardiac Society. We were delighted to co-host this ERAS webinar um, and it was a really, really good one. I was really pleased uh, to see this. Um, there was a great set of four lectures. Um, they were by Jeroen van den Brander, uh, who was a, he's a really good anaesthetist in Belgium. He's been over to Canada to work as well. And he's had some really, really good tips. He set up ERAS in Belgium in his really large hospital, got some really good hints and tips. Um, and then Mark Gerdish did, for me, probably one of the best of the four, uh, really, really good tips about uh, minimum invasive cardiac surgery, about how to really engage with every element of the ERAS pathway. And he was doing cryoanalgesia to his intercostal spaces. And as a thoracic surgeon, I do that now for all my robotic lobectomies. And I see a massive difference. And I was really pleased to see that Mark Gerdish sees a big difference when he knocks out with cryo um, the intercostal nerve supplying uh, the rib space he's just gone in. I was also really pleased to see he also puts his cryoprobe into the drain uh, intercostal space and knocks out that nerve too. I think this is something that isn't done very much and yet we've all got the cryoprobes for our air fibrillation, so why not use them? So uh, great job there. I picked up lots of hints and tips. Uh, and, uh, and, and the other really big thing that's coming in is on-table extubation. He told us all about how his on-table extubation rate is now at least 30%. His average length of time of all his patients with a tube in is two hours now. Showed us a great uh, graph of how it's gone down over time. Once you lose that fear over on-table extubation, then you just start doing it more and more. So I really, really like that. Um, the two other lectures were brilliant as well by Sinu Reddy and Ron Salega. And uh, so, so too much to tell you about uh, on this podcast right now. So why do you go watch it? It's one hour. It's really good. You could listen listen to it. You don't have to watch it. So so pop that on. It was a real pleasure to link up CTSnet with the ERAS Cardiac Society. And I suspect we'll do a lot more of these link ups. So well done to everybody involved. Um, and the third video we've got for you is just a nice little quick thoracic video all about uh, robotic resection of a posterior and inferior mediastinal lesion. Um, Anna Munoz-Foz and uh, Ivan Masia from the uh, Belvitage uh, Hospital in Spain found a lower mediastinal mass right down near the aorta on the left-hand side in the sort of costophrenic recess. Um, and so they reversed their robots. They had it pointing down instead of up. It's the sort of position I use for doing a diaphragm plication. They give a nice demonstration of the four ports that they use. Uh, and then they take out this mediastinal lesion which turns out to be a bronchogenic cyst uh, very quickly and easily and the patient goes home day one so nice quick tip it's an unusual setup of the robot so take take a look at that uh, if you ever see one of these slightly unusual uh, lesions upcoming events again ctsnet is pairing up uh, to host co-host a online webinar this time we're delighted that mark slaughter approached us he's editor-in-chief of the asaio journal and uh, we are hosting the total artificial heart 2024 and beyond this is going to be absolutely fabulous everything you ever want to know about options in the total artificial heart uh, the carmat heart or otherwise known as ESON, Hydro 
labored options for total artificial heart support um, all sorts of things uh, going on Ashok Kumar is going to be there lots of other people will be there um, Adam Protos uh, chief of surgery at Mississippi all sorts of other people and the great thing is this is going to be free so click on the show notes below and you can register right now for free or we will post it afterwards on CTSnet so you can watch it at your leisure thank you Mark Slaughter and everyone at the ASAIO journal and uh, really look forward this is to that it's going to be on the 16th of November on a Thursday um, another uh, interesting uh, uh, seminar that's going on is aortic valve repair and the Ross operation this is going to be 23rd 24th uh, of November and this is in Brussels in Belgium um, this has been done before by EACTS and uh, and they're going to demonstrate the Brussels School approach. You can log on to it now. It's 500 euros if you're a member of EACTS or 600 if you're not. Uh, so why not pop over to Belgium and have a look at that course. And then the final uh, interesting thing going on is another webinar. Uh, this is an ESTS uh, STS link up and it's robotic a segmentectomy. It's again free, so you could log on right now. It's Monday the 27th uh, or it will be posted afterwards. It looks really, really interested for those advanced resections uh, that we're all doing more and more often. So that's all our interesting uh, things coming up. Um, just to let you know, where is the world's most famous thoracic surgeon? Well, this week he's back in Shanghai. He's hosted another 30 uh, thoracic surgeons from around the world watching 16 uh, theatres all operating, doing over 150 operations a day there. And then he didn't uh, waste all his time just in the one place. He nipped over to Langzhou to perform a uniportal VATS left lower lobe sleeve in a patient after chemotherapy and immunotherapy. So well done to him. And uh, I understand there are two places uh, on the next Shanghai course. So if you're interested, uh, go and check out their website where that you can register for one of their courses at the world's biggest thoracic surgery centre. I highly recommend it, being there myself, and I, I, I regard it as a pilgrimage. Everybody should go at least once. And so to my final honourable mention. And my honourable mention goes to... Uh, Enoch Akoa, Andy Owens and everybody involved in our Ghana heart surgery mission. We're off tomorrow in 12 hours time to go and see Bafour Jan and the team at the University of Ghana Medical Centre. We're going to do seven uh, heart surgeries, advanced cases, aortic cases. We're also going to help the Kolobu uh, Hospital, the National Cardiothoracic Centre with Chinmay and Ivan Katibog who are going over there. We're also helping the second uh, city, Kamasi Hospital with pacemakers and the northern city, Tamar with pacemakers there's gonna be a lot going on um i might say something about it in the podcast next week but i'm going to be posting a youtube video every day on my youtube um, website uh, so check it out at joel dunning um, and we might try and post it on cts now who knows but uh aqua bar to everybody in ghana and see you next week mm -hmm.